this has been a, speaking of dating myself, this has been a long time coming. Uh, Canada is set to bar telecom companies uh, from using equipment made by China's Huawei and ZTE in their 5G networks and order them to remove that gear from older 4G networks by the end of 2027. Now, Canada's Five Eyes allies, including the US, Australia, the UK, and New Zealand, had already banned or at least restricted Huawei over its close ties to the Chinese government and subsequent security concerns. Uh, here is Industry Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne. The vast majority uh, of the 5G network in Canada, and I would say the 4G network as well, uh, exclude uh, equipment and services from either Huawei or ZTE. Uh, so what we're saying today is, is to provide uh, clarity and, and predictability uh, to the telecommunication companies across the country. Um, Champagne also provided some clarity on who's going to pay for this, not the federal government. They will not compensate telecom companies that have already spent money on tech from those companies. Now, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino says the government will also introduce new legislation, broader legislation, to protect critical infrastructure. Canada continues to be very vigilant against um, the ever-evolving threats to our national security, specifically as it relates to um, cybersecurity. There are, are a number of uh, well-known belligerent uh, hostile actors who uh, use cybersecurity to um, uh, penetrate into our, our, our cyber infrastructure. So more than just banning Huawei equipment and ZTE, but something much broader there. He, uh, They both say that that legislation is due in the very short term. Well, joining me now to unpack a lot of this, because a lot happened today, and it's a file that's been uh, talked about for years now, is David Skilcorn. He's a professor in the School of Computing at Queen's University in Kingston and head of the Smart Information Management Laboratory. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Good to talk to you. Now, this has been, we've been talking about this for a very long time um, in many different guises, but what exactly did the government move forward with today? Yeah, this is long overdue, but it's been obvious for maybe five years that this was the right decision to make, and they just in many ways sat on their hands over that period of time. Um, what they're really saying is we can't trust these companies to provide us with telecom gear, and there's a multitude of reasons why that's true. The minister mentioned some of them, and, and I guess the primary one is the security issue, but that's not the only issue that's in play here. You know, I mean, beyond the security issue, which we, which has been talked about a lot, simply the ties of specifically Huawei um, to the Chinese government, or at least a belief that if uh, Beijing came calling and asking for something, they wouldn't be in a position to not hand it over, which of course Huawei has always said is not the case. But the, beyond the security decision, uh, the security rationale, what else is at play here? Well, one of the interesting things is that the Brits tried really hard to make this work. And so they built with Huawei a joint center to try and explore the security content of Huawei equipment to see if they could, in fact, guarantee that it would be okay to use it that way. And what they found was, yes, there might be security issues, but in fact, there were deep, deep competence issues. And we're talking here about the 4G equipment that was already in place. And when they tried to understand how that software primarily worked, they found that it was so poorly engineered that they really couldn't guarantee that it was doing what it was supposed to do. And they had very little feeling that they would be able to build 5G that would be up to an international standard. And so in many ways, I mean, they were, their language was very forceful. I mean, they basically said, Huawei is just not fit for use for many of the stuff that they try to sell. Um, 
we've also, I mean, you, you spoke about 4G equipment. There's, there's already quite a bit of it out there in Canada, is there not? I wouldn't say quite a bit, but there are some places in the country, mainly in the prairies, where they went with Huawei equipment fairly early on. Um, that will have to be removed now, I guess. Um, but but I imagine that, and, and this was pointed out in the press conference, and it's been pointed out by the likes of you and many others who that uh, that companies have been sort of self restricting for a while now, expecting this day to come. Yeah, that's the sort of difficult thing with the government punting this decision for so long is that the telcos have been stuck trying to guess whether they they should try and take Huawei deals and ZTE deals or not. And, and I guess most of them could see the writing on the wall and said. You know, this would be a, a silly way to go, but but of course, uncertainty creates extra costs. I guess the telcos are now going to be stuck with those costs. I mean, if it's limited, prob- perhaps not such a big deal, but I know the opposition was making noise today about the fact that if the telcos are stuck having to pay to remove or get rid of uh, existing 4G equipment that is no longer uh, fit for use or li- no longer legal, that uh, that that stuff will be passed on to consumers, I suppose. Is, th- is, that, is, that, is there enough of it out there for that to be fair comment? Um, yeah, at some level, I guess that's true. Um, I think, though, that, that most of the telcos are at least making noises as if they're about to retire that stuff and move everything to 5G. Um, I don't personally believe that that's actually going to happen, but that's sort of the story they've been telling. So ZTE has not been one that's been targeted uh, by all the Five Eyes colleagues, uh, Five Eyes allies, rather. Uh, why do you think they, they bundled in both these, uh, both these telcos? Pardon the pun. Well, I, I think it has the the same issue with um, the, how much they're enthralled to the Chinese government that the Huawei has, and so that's got to be a concern. And, and certainly, the Americans have been very hard nosed about ZTE from the very beginning. How much pressure here, how much of this was, was a result of the pressure? I mean, certainly they didn't speed up the process because of the pressure, uh, but how much was the result of pressure from from our allies that had already gone down this road, that had already made these decisions? Well, I, I mean, yes, there was some fairly overt pressure, but also if you're the only one left out of a gang of five, then whether there's pressure or not, it's pretty obvious that there's going to be serious consequences if you don't join the other four. I mean, our relationship with the, the other four countries in the Five Eyes in the world of cybersecurity and espionage and things like that is incredibly close. And it would be disastrous for Canada to be shut out from even a small piece of that. And, and that was fairly obviously going to be what was going to happen if Huawei was allowed to do 5G equipment in Canada. I mean, think about trying to run a business where all of your admin assistants secretly work for your, oh, your competitors. It just, it just couldn't be made to work, right? And it still begs the question, I know, I know this is the one we've all been trying to answer for a long time. Why did it take so long? What was going on? I mean, we obviously, the Meng Wanzhou case and the Michael, the Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig uh, played, played a role here, I would suspect, but it really took a very long time for them to announce this. Yeah, I mean, even if you look back before the, the Meng business, they still were sitting on the fence for a very, very long time. This was promised, you know, two election cycles ago, a decision. And, and I think yeah, basically nobody was willing to step up and, and actually pull the pin and say, this is what we have to do, even though it was pretty obvious to most people that this was what had to be done. 
from a, I mean, from a political standpoint, that might be somewhat understandable. But are there consequences here? I mean, China's w- certainly spoken belligerently about con- con- countries doing this. Canada was sort of the last domino to fall of the Five Eyes group, at least. Um, China will not be happy about this, but there's, they must have seen this coming too. Well, it's hard to know, right? I mean, I think one of the things that's become especially clear in the last few months is that these autocratic regimes. Uh, have their own internal severe problems and that although people might have hoped that they could become part of the the sort of ordinary nations by trade, that that isn't really panning out. And and so, yes, China will make remarks, but I don't know how much China will actually act. I mean, they've been pushing pressure on Australia quite dramatically, for example. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet, a year later, it hasn't had much bottom line effect. So in a nutshell, uh, David, you don't see a huge impact of this, but uh, but certainly it was the right move at the right time, I gather. If I could, sur- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that sounds well, like what you're telling me. It was the right move eight years later than it should have been made. <laughs> and in some ways, the government opened themselves up to pressure by sitting on the fence, right? If they'd made this decision eight years ago, then it would all be over and there wouldn't have been all the intermediate We just lost uh, David Skillcorn there very briefly. What we'll do is we'll, uh, I've been speaking with David Skillcorn, a professor in the School of Computing at Queen's University in Kingston and head of the Smart Information Management Laboratory. We've been talking about Canada's decision today at last uh, to ban uh, both Huawei and ZTE. Those are both big Chinese telecom companies. Not only are they banned uh, from our 5G access or 5G network access, uh, 4G equipment that they provided will also have to be removed by 2027 um, at the cost uh, paid for by the telecom companies themselves. Although it was quite clear that uh, a lot of the telecom companies had already not bought from either of those companies, or specifically Huawei, uh, believing that this day uh, was going to come one day, even though it uh, took quite a while uh, to arrive. Uh, As I was mentioning off the top, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino also said the government's introducing uh, new legislation to protect critical infrastructure. Um, We'll look into that after this. I've been speaking this half hour with David Skilcorn, a professor in the School of Computing at Queen's University in Kingston and head of the Smart Information Management Laboratory. We're talking about uh, the federal government's decision at long last. It's been talked about for years, it felt like now, um, to ban Huawei and uh, ZTE to Chinese telecom giants uh, from access to our 5G networks in this country, as well as uh, removal of 4G equipment that already exists here. Um, David, you dropped out just a little bit earlier. I was going to joke that you you, maybe you had a Huawei phone, but I I imagine you don't. Um, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) um, Marco Mendocino also talked today about uh, a wider bill to protect uh, Canadian telecommunications infrastructure. Uh, Is there anything, I mean, it was more than just a Huawei, although that really dominated the conversation today. Today. Um, what did you make of that? Was there anything in there that's, that's interesting um, to you? Yeah, I mean, one of the three pillars of Canada's cybersecurity planning is to protect critical infrastructure. And it's the piece that they've had the most trouble with. So the, the issues are, of course, around the telcos and their networks, but also around banking and finance and uh, pipelines and the hydro grid. And all of those sectors are actually look rather shaky if you look at them from a cybersecurity perspective. It's been an ongoing struggle for the federal government to get enough leverage to get the critical infrastructure piece in Canada to actually invest enough to make their networks hardened and resilient. Because from the perspective of, of the critical infrastructure players, that's just a cost. 
and they don't really want to pay it. And, and so, you know, we saw the colonial pipeline thing happen in the U.S. just a few months ago, but it's still a case in Canada that people's view is it couldn't happen here, and, and yet it certainly can. Yeah, what what is again? It seems like it's taken a long time to recognize. Um, clearly, we're becoming more aware uh, of these threats to critical infrastructure. Uh, but again, why the delay? Do you think? Well, I think it is really a mismatch between what what the federal government and, and in fact, all of us would like the critical infrastructure providers to do, and, and their own kind of bottom line view of what what they find cost effective to do. And, and it is difficult because cybersecurity is a kind of invisible thing and, and you can't point to your, your shareholders to certain things and say, listen, we did all these good things that improved our bottom line because generally speaking, they didn't, except when you get hit by an attack. And, and it's always hard to justify spending money to stop bad things happening. And I think that's just a huge structural problem that, that nobody's been able to find a way around. Of course, the the colonial pipeline was a uh, hackers. They paid a ransom for that, didn't they? I mean, I suppose the war in Ukraine and all the talk of cybersecurity is probably also heightened. Uh, we've talked about more about defense. We're obviously talking more about about protecting critical infrastructure as well. It, one would imagine there's a tie in there as well. Yeah, although the surprise has been that the war in Ukraine has not had as strong an effect in cyberspace as we would have thought. I mean, initially people thought this is going to be the war where, for the first time cyber attacks are going to play as big a role as kinetic attacks are going to play. But that just hasn't happened. And nobody really knows why. But of course, things could change at any moment, because certainly the Russians have huge capacity and skill in this area. And generally speaking, the West has patchy defense, I would say. Maybe, uh, I, I suppose we're going to see this relatively quickly, this new legislation, despite the long wait. Uh, I gather this is going to happen quite quickly. Well, I mean, once you've decided that you're going down this path, I guess there's no reason to delay doing it. But of course, you know, it takes time to roll out all of these things. And, and problems of defense are always tough because the attacker only has to succeed once in a while, whereas the defenders have to get it right every single time. And that asymmetry just, it always makes these problems really difficult. Uh, quickly back to the Huawei ZTE, do you, do you foresee there being any sort of snags um, in, in either of these, these attempts to ban them? Well, I think once the federal government comes out and says, this is the way we want to go, then that's tremendous clarity for the telco industry. And, and nobody's going to want to try and get around it because what's the benefit in doing that, right? There's only downsides for that. So I think it will very quickly flow through the system and everyone who was kind of debating whether maybe Huawei might be a good deal is now going to be pretty sure that it isn't. They certainly did a lot of, um, I mean, they were certainly high profile in this country, Huawei, for, for quite a while. I mean, they, they, have, they have a setup here. Uh, this will no doubt have an impact on that. Yeah, I mean, they have a, every time I do one of these stories in the media, I get a call from somebody in Ottawa who says, wouldn't you like to come and visit our Huawei research lab and see what good people we really are? Right. <laughs> and I mean, they are, right? That, the, the people who are doing things here in Canada are doing good things. And some of my colleagues are working on interesting problems with them as well. It, the problem is not with the local Huawei. It's, it's the sort of interest, the stuff that lies behind the local Huawei. 
David Skilcorn, thank you so much for your time tonight. I guess we'll see when this legislation finally uh, comes out, but we have a pretty clear idea of where it's going now, and it it's just been a long time coming. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me on.